So some years ago, I was doing a youth gathering in uh, Palo Alto, California, San Jose area. And I flew in on a Thursday night because the ticket uh, was cheaper if I did that. And so I had all day Friday to examine uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. I rented a car. And I drove from um, San Jose area along the coast. I went over to the, the ocean, and there's this fabulous, fabulous road that runs along the bluffs, the cliffs, um, of the, that, that overlook the Pacific Ocean. And I got into San Francisco. You come into South San Francisco first. And I, I really wanted to go to this one area of San Francisco. San Francisco is broken up into districts. Different parts of the city, they're called districts. And I wanted to get to this place called the Haight-Asbury District. Back in the 60s, that's where all the hippies were. And I heard the hippies were still there, and I wanted to go see them. So I had my little map, and I found out how to uh, get there. And I really didn't need a map because the hippies are still there. And there's like a perpetual plume of marijuana smoke over a part of San Francisco or over the Haight-Asbury district. Well, there's two things you need to know about driving in San Francisco. One is the, the streets go straight up and straight down. I mean, there, it, it is the most hilly city I've ever seen in my life. Just boom, boom, boom. There's a, a street, Lombard Street, that literally is the most curvy street, I think, in the world. Um, the other thing is the stop-and-go lights are the longest stop-and-go lights I've ever had to endure. So you're going straight up, straight down, stop at a stop-and-go light. Straight up, straight down, straight, stop at a stop-and-go light. But I didn't have any particular place to go. It was a beautiful morning. It was probably like 68, 70 degrees as the sun was coming up. It was 25 below back in Chicago. I rented a Mustang, had my arm hanging out the window, you know. <laughs> and uh, I got into the district. And... The car ahead of me made it through the yellow light, and I stopped. It was then I saw a most peculiar sight. As I was waiting at the light, I heard a noise, and I looked out through the passenger window, and I saw this old, wizened, homeless woman. They call them bag ladies. And she was pulling an old, rickety shopping cart with which I assumed was all of her worldly possessions in it. And she started making her way across the street, and I kind of went, oh, wow. And then as I saw across the street, I noticed up ahead on the next block bundles of rags. And I thought, wow, what is this, rag day? People throw their old rags out on the street, and people come. Because it was kind of orderly looking. And it was in that, that little grassy area between the, the curb and the sidewalk, just that little strip of grass. And there were these bundles of rags. And I watched as this bag lady, this, this homeless woman, made her way across the street, and she went over to the first bundle of rags, and I thought, well, maybe she could get some treasures. But as she leaned down, I saw the bundle of rags move, and I went, oh my goodness. And I realized it was not a bundle of rags. It was a homeless person who was all bundled up, and he'd slept there the night before. I found out later. You can't sleep in the street because, why well, you get run over. Can't sleep on the sidewalk because that's public property. Can't sleep in people's lawns because that's private property. So they would literally lay in that little grassy area, almost head to toe, bundled up in rags. And that's where many people would spend their night, head to toe. And as the woman went over and leaned over the first one, I wanted to yell, No! You see, homeless people are incredibly territorial. 
and very protective of the few meager belongings that they do have. And I thought if she leans over this guy, he might think that she's trying to rob him and he may punch her. But I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. As she leaned over, I could hear her call out in a clear, sing-songy voice. Good morning! God has given us a beautiful day. Won't you please wake up and share the day with me? And I saw this bundle of rags stretch. And the woman stepped back as he stood up. And he had a big smile on his face. And then I saw her make her uh, a movement with her hands, her palms moving upward. And I saw the man raise his arms over his head, and then she made a twirling motion with her index finger. And slowly, with his arms raised, he slowly turned around as she patted him down. And I realized what she was doing. She was making sure that there was nothing broken or bruised or bloody that she didn't know about from the day before. And when he spun all the way around, he held out his arms and wrapped her in this embrace, and I could see their faces all scrunched up as they greeted the morning with such incredible tenderness. He picked up his stuff and he left, and she went on to the next one. And she stroked the man's face and yelled in a very sing-songy voice, Good morning! God has given us a beautiful day. Won't you please wake up and share the day with me? And he stretched and he got up. And she made the upward palm movement of her arms so he'd raise his arms in the twirling motion with her index finger. And he slowly turned around and she patted him down. And then it ended in an embrace. And I could see the third man in line. His eyes were wide open, but he was not going to miss his blessing. And so he laid there. The light had turned green and I hadn't noticed. And the cars behind me started honking. I quickly took my foot off the brake and went around the corner and stopped. I wanted to continue watching this incredible display of love. But I also had to stop because tears had filled my eyes. Not only because of this incredible display of love, but because of shame. You see, I realized at that moment I was seeing more love and compassion amongst street people of San Francisco than I usually even see in my own church. We got people in the church fighting over the color of carpeting. We got people fighting in the church over whether we should use an organ or other kinds of instruments. We have people fighting over the color or the size of a hymnal or whether or not to use a hymnal. People are dying and going to hell because they don't know Jesus Christ all over the world and we're fighting over carpeting. I've been in churches where people have sat in pews and the people who normally occupy those pews would then either sit in another pew and stew the whole service or would literally go up, tap them on the shoulder and ask them to move because they were in the wrong pew. That's my generation. We find reasons to divide. Reasons to hurt and pierce and cut. When what was amazing were these street people that knew how to care for one another. 
when you leave here, you have a choice. Are you going to be like the up-and-comers of our society? Climb the ladder of success by stepping on the backs of others? Trying to get ahead by trying to pull the person ahead of you backwards? Here's what I have discovered. I have discovered that if you spend your life trying to pull people down or push them down, you will have many people holding you back. But if you are elevating people and pushing them to go higher and further than they could on their own, there will be so many people reaching down and wanting to elevate you. Even youth grow tired and weary. Of course you do. Because there's so much opposition. But we're called to be different. Jesus said, calling himself the Son of Man, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so he did by hanging on Calvary's cross after being brutalized taking our sins upon himself, reaching through time and space. This blows my mind, but it's true. Because Jesus is God. He is not bound to time and space. And that means this. That because he is not limited, while Jesus was hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago, Outside the walls of Jerusalem on the other side of the world, because he's not bound to time and space, that means he could look through time and to a different space and see us right here, right now. While Jesus was dying on the cross 2,000 years ago, he was looking at us right here, right now. Right now, Jesus is looking at you from 2,000 years ago as he's dying on the cross. That blows my mind. And he could have come down. He could have popped them nails right out of his wrist. He could have kicked them nails right out of his feet. And he could have come down. It wasn't the nails that were holding him on the cross. What was holding him on the cross was the knowledge that if he died for our sins, he could bring us into heaven. And so he served us. And now he says, this is love. I love how St. John says, this is love. Not that you love God but that he loved you and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. And then it says this, Therefore, since God so loved us, let us love one another. Maybe like the homeless woman in San Francisco. 